Welcome to Iskat of Silicon Valley. We're continuing the celebration of the Divine Appearance Day of Sri Ramachandra. And I'm very happy to be here broadcasting live from Iskand of Silicon Valley. Thanks for coming in, those of you who are here in the live studio, and uh, those who are joining online from various places around the world. It is the sole purpose of the Krishna Consciousness Movement, or shall I say it was the sole purpose of the founder, Acharya, of the Krishna Consciousness Movement to provide an environment for people of the world where constant transcendental vibration is going on because by changing the vibration in one's environment, one immediately becomes rectified. Rectified of what? The anxiety of material life, which is really caused by having an unstable mind and the only remedy, or chikitsitam, remedial measure, as Narada Muni puts it in the fifth chapter of the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, is by connecting everything to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And the Srimad Bhagavatam describes how the best way to connect to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is through hearing and chanting about him, shravanam kirtanam, vishnu smaranam. Whatever we hear and ch chant about in our lives, we'll naturally remember later. And when we remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then our lives become auspicious. Apavitra pavitro va sarva vastam katopiva yasmaret pundarikaksham sabhabhya yantara shuchihi. Because of the contaminating nature of the material world, we always have to purify ourselves by touching water, taking bath, seeing the Lord in the temple room and so forth. The supreme means of purification, inside and out, however, is mentioned in the verse I just quoted, and that is that if one can remember the supreme personality of Godhead, then one becomes naturally purified inwardly and outwardly. So, it stands to reason then that when Srila Prabhupada came to the United States and went around the world, he established the principle of hearing and chanting about Krishna, about all his incarnations. It's called Avatar Kata. Avatar Kata is one of the topics of the Srimad Bhagavatam, describing the nature, the qualities, the lila, pastimes of Krishna when he comes to this world. So this is such a joyous occasion, the appearance of Lord Ram. Every year here at ISV, the devotees organize ahead of time to read the entire Ramayan and listen together the pastimes of Lord Ram. In summary form, of course, the Ramayana is quite long, 
three times longer than the Bhagavatam. And it would take a little longer probably to finish it than the few weeks that we usually take. Nonetheless, just hearing the summarized pastimes of Lord Ramachandra is all auspicious. And in his Leela, the Mariada Leela, in which he shows the world, the activities, a character of a perfect person, a perfect king, one who is completely moral. Boy, isn't that hard to find? There's always some flaw somewhere. However, Ramachandra, although he comes as a human being, is devoid of any flaws because he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So tonight we'll talk about Ramachandra and we'll chant the holy names of the Lord. I know we have some kind of schedule to keep and I probably should know what it is, but someone will remind me at some point. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Vaditam Yena Tasmahai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Sayam Rupa Kadahmaya Dadati Swapatantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Sri Uta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Bitam Tam Sajivam Sadvetam Sadvatutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shivishakanditam Scha He Krishna Karuna Sindho Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshvari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpaturubhyascha Kripasindu Pyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnabhyo Namo Namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasari Gaurabhakta Binda Nitainamine Chenamirhate Sharamulyenam Dite Chere Nitai namine che namirhate shadhamunye nam dite chere.
So, although the Supreme Personality of Godhead comes into this world apparently as a human being, as Arjuna notes in the 11th, cant 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he calls the Somyavapu, very pleasing form of the Lord with two hands, two feet, one head, beautiful body, indescribably beautiful and perfect in all ways. In fact, Bhushanam Bhushananam, Srimad Bhagavatam, Sugadeva Goswami describes how the Lord is the ornament of his ornaments. The ornaments don't ornament him, but they become ornamented by being on the body of the Lord. He's so beautiful, everything perfect. And he comes in various uh, colors, different ages. As Gargamuni in the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam describes to 
Nanda Maharaj, Asan Barnas Tario Yasya Grindano Nu Yugam Tanum, Shuklo Raktasta Pida Idanim Krishna Tamgata. He says, uh, Your son now is coming as Krishna Blackish, but Asan Varnas Tario Yasya Grindato Nu Yugam Tanum. He has different Tanum, different bodies, and he named Shuklo Raktas Tata Pita. Shuklo Rakstata Pita. It's uh, the color of white, red, uh, yellow, black, and other colors. Ramachandra is mentioned there by the Acharyas, just like the color of a parrot, green, green color. They're beautiful bodies. The Lord uh, manifests here in this world, but it not as many people who are uneducated in the spiritual science think, and that is that there's an impersonal void, which is the absolute truth. And then from that void, manifested by the modes of goodness, there's a form that's manifested that represents that impersonal personality of Godhead, or the absolute truth, rather. In fact, the opposite is true in the Srimad Bhagavatam Varanti Tattvavidas Tattvam Yajjnanam Advayam Brahmeti Parvatmeti Bhagavaniti Shabdite. Sutta Goswami describes how the, the Lord, the Advayagyan Tattva, the Absolute Truth, which is non dual, the Supreme Personality of God, it manifests himself in three features the Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagavan. But as Krishna uh, mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, vyaktam vyaktam apanam manyate mamabhudhaya. People are abhudhaya. They have no intelligence. They think that actually the impersonal has manifested as a person. And Krishna says, no, this is uh, not true. In fact, uh, it's the opposite. Everything, including paramatma, Brahman, all the material energies, eka The Vishnu Purana says, just as the sun manifests heat and light, and it uh, is all pervasive from the sun. So similarly, the Supreme Personality of God, and he has his form, his pastimes, his planet, Goloka Namni Nijadamni Chaleta but he manifests himself in multifarious energies that are all pervasive. And so we can rejoice in the fact that actually there is a personality of Godhead. Otherwise, we would be more than God if we are manifestations of that original source of everything. But he didn't have qualities, and we do. He didn't have intelligence, and we do. It doesn't uh, make logical sense, nor is it the, the fact, according to the Shastra. So the personality of Godhead has his own abode. There's a material and a spiritual world demarcated by the Viraja River. The material world is for those who are meant for birth and death, and who are out of sync with 
the vibration of the spiritual world. And therefore, they have this reflection of the spiritual world in which to engage themselves in a fool's paradise. This is the nature of the material world that is a reflected reflection of the original spiritual world. And Krishna mentions this, of course, in the Bhagavad Gita when he tells Arjuna in 15th chapter, Udva Mula Madasha Kamashvatam Prahuraviyam Jadamsi Yasiparnani Yasam Vedas Avedavit Adachur Bam Prashitas Tashyashaka Guna Pravida Vishayava Prabhala Adascha Mulan Anusantatani Karmanu Bandini Manushaloke. Then he says, Narupamasyeha Tatopalabyate Nantona Chadirna Tasam Pratishta Ashvatamenam Suvarudambulam Asanga Shastrena Jidhena Chitva Tatakpadam Tatpari Margitap Yam Yasmidgatana Nivartanti Buya Tameva Chadyam Purusham Prapadye Yatat Praviti Prashita Purani. There he's describing that the material world, which is full of variety, is the reflection of the true reality, that which is eternally manifest in the spiritual world. As we can see for ourselves in this world, the variety is always changing. It's as if in a dream, when you go to embrace a beautiful person or you have attained some beautiful destination and all of a sudden it morphs into something that is undesirable, ugly, scary. All that happens in this world also. You may um, be united with the most beautiful person and then he or she turns into a, an ogre-like person. Uh, just perhaps moves a little more slowly here in the material world, but the change always takes place. The dream world, this material world is made of, of very insubstantial circumstances and the material nature is always changing. Nasato vidite bhavo and the bhavo vidite sada, Krishna says. If you study it carefully, you'll see. So you'll see that there's um, no substantial uh, circumstance here in the material world. And the forms are always changing. But Krishna's form never changes. And it's eternally perfect and beautiful. And what's more, he's the uh, controller of everything. Ishvara Parama Krishna, Sakjirananda Vigra, Anadiradi Govinda, Sarva Karanakaram. He's the cause of all causes. There's an intelligent cause who is also supremely benevolent behind everything. So he comes to the world from time to time to enact his pastimes in this world to attract the minds of the conditioned souls who are used to watching Bollywood films and uh, Bollywood, Hollywood. It's actually a huge industry. We drove by the Sony complex the other day in Los Angeles and it's as big as a city. And I was thinking people are certainly purchasing a lot of films. <laughs> Otherwise, how are they paying for all this? Uh, to watch some uh, 
story play out on a screen about some people falling in love, running away, and then their dog gets hit by a car. Whatever happens, you know, unfolds. They save the dog. Everyone lives happily ever after. And everyone pays how much ever it is for a movie nowadays, probably $50, I don't know. So the, the real narrative is going on in the spiritual world. So Krishna brings his uh, uh, play to this material world. As Queen Kunti says, Maya Javani Kachanam Jamaviyam Nalakshate Madarisha Nato Natya Daroyata. Krishna, she's praying to Krishna, she says, You're just like an actor on the stage. People can't see that you know, you're playing a role here. And uh, you're covered by your internal potency for the devotees and for the for those who are materialist, you're covered by the external energy. Everyone, according to their capability, uh, sees more or less of Krishna. For instance, uh, uh, this principle is something that Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, yeyatamam prapadyante tamstataiva bhajamyaham mamavart manuvartante manusha partasarvasha that as a soul surrenders unto me, then I proportionately reveal myself to such a person. And in the Bhagavatam, Shukadeva Goswami points it out when he says that uh, the, the, the people, dasyam gatanam paradaivatina, those who are servants of the Lord in a mood of reverence, they see the Lord as Narayana Vaikuntha, mayashritanam naradharakena. Those are covered by the illusory energies. Just see him as an ordinary boy, a coward boy. What's the, di what's, what's the big deal, they think? And then sakambraja rukrita punya punjaha, those who have amassed heaps and heaps, Prophet says, of spiritually based pious activities, are actually playing with the Lord personally and wrestling with him as coward boys, running after him. Uh, he's putting food in their mouths. They're taking food out of their mouth and putting in Krishna's mouth. They're playing with him. I just as coward boys. So the, the Supreme Personality of God, according to the temperament and the, the heart of the particular devotee, reveals himself and interacts in a certain way. And when he comes to, to this world to manifest his pastimes, they're always uh, amazing and spectacular. And as Prahlad Maharaj says in his prayers in the ninth chapter of the Seventh Canto, the Srimad Bhagavatam, they're always for the good of everyone. All his pastimes. He, he completes many purposes, serves many purposes at once when he comes to perform his pastimes uh, for the good of everyone. They're all benevolent. They're all good. And anyone who hears about them uh, says, says Shukadeva Goswami uh, that three kinds of people get benefited by hearing about these pastimes. Vasudeva kata prashna purusham strin punatihi bhaktaram prachakam shrotims tatpadam salilam yata. Who are the three people? The ones who speak about it, the ones who listen to, the, about the, to hear the pastimes, and everybody else in between who hears the 
here's the vibration. They become purified also. They become benefited. That's how all good the transcendental vibration uh, about the Lord is. So Lord Ramachandra is one of the celebrated manifestations of the Lord. He has his own realm in the spiritual world, Ayodhya. is a part of the spiritual world in which Lord Ramachandra, Sita Ram, Lakshman, Hanuman all reside. And the devotees relish worshiping that most glorious form of Lord Ramachandra there in that section of Vaikuntha. And there, the mood is uh, Maryada. If you read in the Brihat Bhagavatamrita, you'll find it's not as ceremonious in Ayodhya as it is in uh, other parts of Vaikuntha, where the devotees worship Narayan, four-handed Narayan. But it's not also like Vrindavan, where there's complete unceremonious worship of uh, Krishna. And the, the love between Radha and Krishna is definitely unceremonious. Of course, there's two aspects to it. There's wedded and unwedded love that's described, but our acharyas point out that the most uh, exalted uh, of, of the relationships of Radha Krishna in Vrindavan are unwedded love because of its seemingly tenuous nature that any moment that the pastime can be interrupted because it's supposedly uh, ill-advised that Radha and Krishna are meeting. And in Ayodhya, the mood of Ramachandra is Marayada. And that is that he's dutiful and shows dharma. And in the pastime of the gopis running off into the forest to be with Krishna, they're apparently transgressing the dharma, that a young man, a young woman, unmarried, should not meet in the forest. However, there's a higher principle because the true dharma of every soul is to com be completely surrendered to Krishna. And that's exhibited in the pastimes of the gopis and their, uh, their unrestricted love for Krishna. And as described by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and represented in the Chaitanya Manjusha, Araja Bhagavan Vrajeshatanayas Taddhama Vrindavanam Ramya Kachadupasana Rajabudu Vargina Vokalpita. The highest method of worshipping the Supreme Personality of God is that which is conceived by the gopis of Vrindavan. And their spontaneous way of breaking all, supposedly breaking all the rules and regulations of the society in order to surrender to Krishna and to be with him. Ramachandra, on the other hand, as we know from his pastimes when he's in the forest and the great rishis are observing the beautiful form of the Lord and in their meditations they begin to pray that they could have a conjugal relationship with Ramachandra. Ramachandra, of course, is omniscient and can understand the purpose of these great sages and fulfills their desire, but not immediately, because in that appearance as Ramachandra, he's Ekapati Rat, one wife, 
and he's uh, very careful not to transgress even the tiniest bit. The dharma of a king and of an ideal human being in society. Therefore, he fulfills their desires later, and you'll find in the commentaries by our acharyas that those very same rishis who desire to be in a conjugal relationship with Sri Ramachandra appear later in Lord Krishna's pastimes as gopis so that they can interact with him in that unceremonious way. So each one of the appear appearances of the Lord, also in each one of the appearances, he exhibits his relationships with devotees in different ways. And the story of uh, the Ramayan, of course, is uh, epic in India. If the Ramayan plays on television, I've, I've been told, then everything, the streets are empty. Everyone stays home to watch. Of course, in Thailand, if you drive around, you'll find that the influence of the Ramayana and the story of Ram, which has captured the hearts and minds of people all over the world, also in Indonesia, where they play the gamelan and they, they have music glorifying Lord Ram and plays as well. They do puppet shows and other kinds of dramas, remembering the hero's journey. This is the original hero's journey, uh, which was uh, really ripped off by Star Wars. George Lucas, you know, heard the Ramayana and said, this is perfect story. I mean, there have been other hero's stories to be sure, but this is a, a, an exact replica, Star Wars, of Ramayana, down to the Chewie, who is the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I hope I don't make any mistakes or offenses, but it was that kind of bear-like creature uh, who, and, and then there's, there's uh, there, all the other characters are there complete. You check it. Uh, and the dark side, the force uh, against the good and evil, and, you know, the uh, Luke Skywalker who goes off as the, the, um, the unlikely hero of the whole thing and ends up, you know, coming back, I think. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I've seen the whole thing or remember correctly, but he comes back a great hero, so forth. But you, you can check it. I'm not recommending necessarily, but it, it has a one-to-one uh, -one correlation. That story, actually, is recounted by Valmiki, Valmiki Muni, who was... Uh, in another uh, incarnation of, of, in his life, a uh, person who had been captured by the modes of material nature and had taken to the most degraded of livelihoods, hunting and so forth, and was really depressed and wondering how to get out of the modes of material nature and he met his spiritual master, Narada Muni, who instructed him on how to chant the name of Ram. Unable to, to articulate the name, he felt too sinful to say Ram, Rama. So he told him, so he said, Mara, 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 and he chanted Ram. And by that process, became completely 
clairvoyant in seeing the pastimes of Lord Ramachandra before him. And just as who he saw shoot uh, uh, some birds who were mating at the time, and he became angry. When he spoke the curse, it came out in perfect meter, and he wondered what was that. When he went back to his hermitage and he explained it to his guru, he told him that uh, actually this is the precursor to the Ramayana, and Brahma appeared and gave him the instruction that now you must speak the Ramayana in his exact meter. Actually, this is how Shastra becomes revealed, we find with Kaviraj Goswami. In speaking to Chaitanya Charitamrita, he says, I have no idea how I'm doing this. So I'm, I'm too old for this. I can't even see. He had to hold his eyelids up like this because they were so droopy. And then he, he, he could barely walk. He was bent over. And he was so old and apparently invalid. But still, he said, somehow or other, by the, by the mercy of the devotees, I'm able to envision the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya, Char, uh, of, uh, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And also, of course, he was working from the, the diaries of Sarup Damodar and other devotees and uh, manifested them. So same way, Valmiki Muni was empowered to speak these pastimes of Lord Ramachandra. And it's not as if he was sitting there thinking, like, oh, what happened next? It's more that he was watching the pastimes as if he were in the same room and then writing them down, recording what was actually happening. This is revealed scripture. So, uh, Sri Ramachandra, there are many uh, beloved pastimes, which all of you have just finished listening to. Was it completed? That didn't sound very confident. Yes, it was like, yes, yes. Yes, yes it was completed, Maharaj. Um, Thank you very much. Congratulations to all the devotees. If you get on a cycle where every year you go through a particular reading of Bhagavatam, Ramayan, Mahabharata, Bhagavad Gita, it becomes part of your life. That's what you do during that part of the year then you're filling up your life, your, your mind, your heart, with this most valuable asset, which is mentioned in the Bhagavatam, Srinvatam Svakata Krishna, Punya Shravana Kirtana. Just by hearing, you're getting Punya. But any, not any kind of Punya. It's Bhakti Mukhi Sukriti, or Punya that's based in the vibration that comes from the mouths and hearts of pure devotees. And then we become the receptacle for that by hearing in disciplic succession, submissively. That's the process. Jnane priyasam urapasya namante eva jivanti san mukharitam bhavadiya vartam. Somebody turn on a fan because I see a few devotees look a tiny bit warm. Jnane priyasam urapasya namante eva Jivanti san mukharitam bhavadiya vartam stane stita shrutikatam tanavanmano vir ye prayaso jitta jito pyasitaishtra lokyam 
as Brahma said that don't try to understand the pastimes of the Lord intellectually. It's not an intellectual exercise, although we take bhakti shastri and all these things. It's not really about regurgitating information, getting a score and a diploma, although we get all that. That's an excuse to motivate us sometimes. But he said, to try to serve that sound vibration with your body, mind, and words. Submissively hear it. And just by doing that, you will develop uh, spontaneous love for Krishna, so much so that you'll be, you'll be able to conquer uh, that wh whom is unconquerable. That person that is unconquerable, that's ajita, you'll conquer by the principle of loving devotional service to the Lord. So <clears throat> Ramchandra, who was uh, Ramchandra, uh, who appeared in the world as the, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And along with his expansions, uh, Lakshman, Bharat, and Shatrugna came in the drama. They appeared from the drama of Dasharath Maharaj, who is a descendant of Maharaj Katvanga. We can hear about that in the ninth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam the descendants who are coming down to the, into the dynasty of Lord Ram. And then, of course, uh, we hear past the ninth canto of the appearance of Lord Krishna. And Ramchandra appeared in the family of Dasarath. He was um, Dasarath, uh, despondent for not having a successor. It's very important for kings to have a successor, child, male child who could take the throne as a king and carry on the legacy of the father. But he didn't have that, so he had to take a benediction from the great sage. It was an Angira who gave the blessing that uh, I will perform a yagya, and from this yagya, Was it Rishishinga who actually performed the yagya? He was the one who gave the benediction. And who gave the benediction? I'm sorry? I can't hear it behind mass. You've got to be really articulate. Angira Muni and Rishishinga, of course, was uh, he's such an auspicious personality that he, he had to be there to do the yagya for it to be successful. But the result of the yagya was that a Vishnu Dutta came out from the yagya fire with a pot that had, for lack of a better term, sweet rice that was uh, potent. And that any one of the wives of Dasaras who would drink it would then, would then have offspring. And so he gave half of it to Koshalya. He gave a quarter of it to Kaikei, and he gave an eighth, two eighths to. Can't hear anything muffled in. Sumitra, thank you. So f from that, the Chaturvyuha Vasudev, 
Sankarshan Pradumna Anani Ruda manifested as Ramchandra and his four brothers, Bharat, Lakshman, Shatrugya, uh, three brothers. And they grew up in Ayodhya in loving environment. It was the, they were the sinusure of everyone's vision there in Ayodhya. Because, of course, everyone was celebrating the fact that the great King Dasarath, their benefactor, their emperor, their worshipable lord, now had offspring who could carry on the, the kingdom. And you can imagine there in Ayodhya how beautiful were these princes who were coming and going uh, taking their military instruction, going to and from their studies, growing up. And, and everyone was mesmerized by this. Not the least was. wife, my children, my house, all my income, but to speak of my very self. Even I don't belong to me. I belong to you, Krishna. This is the mood of Bhakti Thakur and all pure devotees. And the, the Sri Japanishad, of course, tells us that this should be our guiding principle in life. Ishavasyamidam sarvam yat kincha jagat yam jagat we should know everything animate or inanimate within the universe is controlled and owned by the Lord. And we should take only those things that are set aside as our quota. People make demarcations in this world, say, this is mine, that's for you. But Krishna in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita says, those who are in spiritual consciousness, although they may abide by the the rules of the state and show a visa when they cross into another country. Of course, in older days, sadhus didn't have to do that. They just go straight through. Even, even in fairly recent days, Prabhupada didn't have to go through security in some places because they saw, here's a sadhu who let him through. That doesn't happen anymore. The point is that one should always consider whatever I have belongs to Krishna. It's to be engaged in his service. Any of the things that are under my care are there temporarily. They're given to me as a concession, as, a, as my quota to be used in his service. And so when Vishamrita came, this is the prerogative of a sadhu or a sage who comes and asks for something. And um, 
I can remember sadhus coming to our house. I remember once, I think there was some brand new electronic thing that had come out and he was sitting there and the sadhu said, I, th I think I need that. And <laughs> had to immediately uh, arrange to give it. I remember also as a brahmachari, my father had given me a watch, which was um, quite advanced for the time because it had an alarm on it. No watches had alarms. And there was a sannyasi who approached me and said, I need the watch. And I just took it off and said, here you go. <laughs> my father said, what happens every time I give you something, you give it away? Uh, so when Vishamrita came to Maharaj Dasrath, who greeted him with a sage's welcome and washed his lotus feet and offered him a seat and offered him of whatever you wish, I will provide for you. This is the mood of the householder meeting the, the renunciate. And so Vishramrita said, yes, I need, uh, I need something from you. I need your son Ram. And just those words acted like a thunderbolt into the heart of Dasharath. There was nothing he was more attached to in this world than his son Ram. And now, the sage Vishramrita comes. He had already made the proclamation that whatever you wish, I will give you. Of course, this happens sometimes in the story of Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj. It's known, at least in the histories, that a wealthy capitalist came to visit him where he was doing his bhajan. As a wealthy man was thinking, you know, I have everything else in the world, I also need a guru to be up with the current fashions of the world. Shastra says, I need a guru. I don't know how much it'll cost, but you know, let me go find out. So he went there to the lonely place where Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj was doing his bhajan, offered his prostrate obeisances and begged, please, I have come here to surrender to you and please accept me as your disciple. I'll give you anything you like. And he was thinking that, uh, what could he need? He sits here in the field, maybe I'll build him a house or even a temple. What's it to me? You know, it's, that's not that expensive for my budget. But Gorkishore Das Babaji said, yes, I'll accept you. you. Only Dakshina that I ask you is you don't go home. You stay here with me and chant and don't go home. And that man ran away. So when the sage actually comes and says, I'll take your son, please, what, what will be the response? And Dasarath, of course, it's transcendental because Ram is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And the attachment to the Supreme Personality of Godhead is all purifying. Nonetheless, in this context, he hesitated. He said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'll tell you what I can do for you. I'll go. I'll bring an Akshohini of soldiers with me, the best trained soldiers. Vishwamita had asked because Maricha and Sabahu were destroying the sacrificial 
performances, as demons like to do. Every Harinam party in the world has always been somebody called the cops. Somebody threw something. Somebody put, uh, you know, turned off the power. Whatever, whatever it is, the Madangas were broken after Shiva Sangam opened up. Demons always want to stop the sound vibration of the transcendental world. It's like, no, no, keep it down here. We like all the commercials and everything else. The mundane vibration doesn't appeal to them. So these demons were destroying the sacrifices and they were servants of Ravana, who was so powerful he had benedictions that he could overcome any demigod. So Dasara said, I'll bring an Akshohini, I'll come myself. My son, he's a little young. He's 16, let him stay home, go through a little more training when he grows up, maybe sometime. And Vishramrita said, okay, I understand. Beggars don't always get what they ask for. And besides that, I was only testing you. I wanted to see you if you were satyavadi, if you actually tell the truth. Because you said you'll give anything, but now you're saying maybe not. Of course, I don't know anyone in the history of your dynasty who's ever told a lie. But now I see there's a first to everything. And of course, even with these thunderbolt-like words, Dasara was still attached. Has anybody here ever been attached to something so much? Even you're asked for it, even the Supreme Personality of God or his representative comes and says, you, you should give this up. And it's like, I can't do that. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur had a person who came to take initiation from him, but he had a mustache. And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, no mustache. And the man said, come on. <laughs> he went away from that place. He came back later reconsidering. All right, it's just a mustache, but okay, so many people. No onions, garlic. What? We've had that in our family forever. How could we give up onions and garlic? Onions and garlic. It's, it stinks to high heaven. And, you know, what is it? what we've become attached to in this material world. Some facial hair and some stinky herbs. And when the Supreme Personality of God had comes, which, by the way, famous culinary artists say, garlic ruins everything. It just covers the taste of it. Even uh, chefs and so forth don't like it in many places. They say, this is horrible stuff. But that's what I become attached to in the material world. And when the Supreme Lord, as representative, comes and says, He'll come with me and say, no, but my mustache. No, but my stinky herbs, that I, it's in my family. So, of course, Dasarath is attached to his son, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but he's showing the way that we become attached in this world. And when the request comes, will I be ready? It's a good preparation to see how we can preemptively invest everything, or we should, I should say, divest myself of all that I think is mine in this world. It doesn't mean that we have to go barefoot, but it means that 
we should see that whatever I have is being used in the service of the Lord and that I'm not attached to it. One of the, the servants of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur had developed a, an amazing community in his uh, sojourn as a preacher in the Gaudiaman. And some other devotees in that organization had felt that, well, this person is just looking for aggrandizement. And he, uh, he got lucky, or he just had some special skill that he's able to do this, but he's attached. So Srila Bhakti Siddhanta called him and said, how is your project going? He said, it's, it's been phenomenal. It's expanding like anything. And he gave the details to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, who then said, I am taking that service away, and I'm going to relocate you to another place. His disciple said, yes, Maharaj, right away. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, okay, you can stay. It's the heart of the devotee. Is it service for service? So Dasarath, he hesitated. He said, I'll send my, my armies, not Ram. Vashishta, his personal priest, intervened. He said to Vishramrita, hold on. Let me talk to him. He explained to his disciple Dasarath, first of all, this is Vishramrita. You don't want to cross him. Vishishta knows. You all know that they had a huge <laughs> kerfuffle. And so he knew the power of Vishramrita. What's more, he knew the power of Ram. He said, actually, he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Not something that Dasarath can digest with his parental affection. But he also said, don't worry, Vishramrita is, he could kill these demons himself, but he wants to give, he wants to bequeath to your son these weapons, Baal, Atibal. He had powerful mystic weaponry, and it could uh, conquer sleep, he could have longevity, all of these powers that a yogi can develop. He wanted to offer them to Ram and was inviting him to service. So Dasarath relented. He gave his son the picture of, as you can see in your minds and hearts, of Vishamrita walking out of the city. It was the first time Ram left when he was 16. Of course, later we know in the next chapter, he leaves for 14 years in, in so-called banishment from the kingdom. For the first time, walking out as young boys, adolescents, with the bows over their shoulders. They've just recently been trained. The sage walking in front and these two effulgent boys walking behind, going off into the unknown to fight these very powerful rakshasas. And of course, it's described blow by blow in the Ramayana, how they go into the forest in different places with Vishramita. They find holy places where they offer prayers, and then they meet up with the demons and defeat them. Maricha is spared, thrown by the arrow of Ram into the ocean, because later he will be engaged in 
another pastime with the Lord. The other demons vanquished very easily. And Kar and Dushana, their armies, thousands of Rakshasas slaughtered by Ram and his, and his army, or excuse me, just his brother in the forest. Uh, news gets back to Ravana. At that time also, is everyone okay? Do you want to make a reflection this time, or should we just keep going? It would take a few reflections to change a change of pace. Let's hear. Yes, Priya Kishori, and here comes the perfectly sterilized microphone. Hi, Krishna. So my uh, reflection is when we're giving to Krishna, more than what um, I've heard this, uh, I believe in your class, Prabhu, that more than what we give him, he sees what we're holding back. And um, uh, even though Dashrat Maharaj, he had this intense attachment. And um, I just was reflecting on that point that what we hold back matters more than what we give. Wow, that's an interesting calculation. That's something that we can analyze in ourselves and see, okay, I'm giving this. Prabhupada used to tell Gopal Bond stories, and he said, Gopal Bond was a rascal. So his friends would ask, Gopal, you're such a rascal. Why you don't ever offer anything to Bhagavan? And one day, Gopal Bond, walking back from the field with a huge tray of grains, was hit with a blast of wind that knocked the grains high into the sky, it was flying away, and he said, Govindabog, I offer that. Not that when it gets knocked off the plate, because I can't use it anymore, that's my offering. But if I'm observant of what I actually have to offer and I give it now, or I prepare myself to give to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it's counterintuitive. I think if I don't have it, I can't survive. But actually, if I analyze that my real power in life comes from my surrender. Prabhupada emphasized this again and again. That He said, I heard just two days ago, he said, I'm not claiming to be a pure devotee. He said, my only qualification is that I followed the order of my spiritual master. And so that willingness to commit to the Lord's plan rather than mine and to give him what I think is mine is our true asset in life. Okay, a couple more. Who else had their hand up? Yes, Monisha. Um, so I wanted to share how you were talking about um, we go behind mundane things such as movies. And um, in, one of, in my stats class, we had to take a survey in um, 
thinking about what is most memorable, what do you most remember from the early days of your childhood? And the three categories were um, movies, books, or so, like social media, and um, like posts on it. And so the highest ranking was books and reading. And I was thinking that um, when I've watched movies and things when I was younger, I don't remember any of that now. And although I had such a great um, eagerness to watch it, and um, but now I don't remember anything, nothing, the plot or anything. And I was thinking about the same way, um, so many pastimes of Shla Prabhupada or just um, pastimes of the Lord is so beautiful and has so much taste to it that even though it's been so many years since I've um, looked back on those books, I can still remember the essence of what was being said. So I was just thinking that um, the person, and he has a personality, it's really comforting to know that he's listening to us and um, he cares for us. Well, the first part of what you said about remembering books, movies, books, movies, and social media, or in general, what we're exposed to, we're going to remember. Prabhupada mentions in his Bhagavatam commentary that in simple rural life in the Vedic times, people would put in a day's work and then in the evening they would come and meet and watch a drama about Ramachandra or Krishna, or they'd hear somebody speak. And he says that even today, when somebody's speaking, even if it's a Mayavadi, he says, <laughs> thousands of people will come because they want to hear something spiritual. It's part of the culture. And if you analyze what Prabhupada did when he set up ISKCON, it's, he set up that same culture. There was an evening, morning and evening program where everyone could just come and hear. And it's the, uh, it's the way in which we take in the transal vibration. It's what we remember. Otherwise, uh, there's an alternative to that, which is not a, a viable opportunity, uh, alternative, but there's TV, uh, there's radio, there's all kinds of vibration available. But it's a waste of time, ultimately, unless there's a specific purpose for tuning into it for service. But other than that, it becomes the mainstay of our consciousness. And then we become diverted from the purpose of life. And secondly, you pointed out how the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a person. And I was reading about how people are attracted in literature, movies, uh, shows, to characters. That's what they're most looking for, is the personality within it. And so the personality of Godhead and Krishna and all his pastimes are supremely interesting. And if we can get our minds attached to that, uh, as Prabhupada says in the introduction to the Bhagavad Gita, the purpose of life is to transfer our attention from reading mundane literatures to reading transcendental literatures. And if we can do that, then we're successful. Cross that bridge. Nice points. One more. Yes, Balaram. And it, if you're on Zoom and you want to um, make a point, just feel free. By now, everyone feels right at home at Zoom in Zoom. Oh, okay, yes, please. Thank you for the wonderful uh, pastime. 
and especially I liked where Dasharath Maharaj is giving away Ram uh, with Vishamitra. Uh, so it's interesting to note how um, these two personalities uh, think from two different perspectives. Uh, Dasharath Maharaj having Batsala, he's telling Ram, um, he's hesitant to give Ram because he's telling Ram has Rajiv Lochan, means his eyes are like uh, lotus petal and lotus closes at night. So in the dusk, Ram gets tired and he takes rest. And Vishamitra is telling, yes, Rajiv Lochan, correct. But Rajiv Lochan, he means that he has lotus eyes and wherever that eye fall, it vanishes all the impurity or uh, disturbance from that place. So how uh, wonderfully you described and of course, how you also describe how Vashishta does the mediation, taking shelter of the Guru, such a big confusion, and he overcomes so difficult thing, but he ultimately takes the right decision of giving to Vishwamitra. So thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Shambhrupa Prabhu. That brought to my mind the ways that Krishna's and Balaram are described when they enter into the wrestling arena in Mathura. And the various members of the audience see him according to their relationship with Krishna. For instance, the yogis there see Paramatma. I thought that was funny. Krishna and Balaram are walking into the into the arena and the yogis say, oh, there's Paramatma. The young ladies see the most beautiful Cupid. Those who are in, uh, with a parental mood see these adorable young boys. And, and uh, materialistic people just see, what, what are these kids doing here? So, so yeah, a point well taken, I like that. According to the relationship of the different devotees uh, who are enacting, who are interacting with Lord Ram, they see him differently. Very nice. And uh, Balaram. Hare Krishna. Uh, when you were talking about the pastime of Ram leaving Ayodhya um, with um, Vishwamitra Muni, I was reminded of when Nityananda Prabhu left Hadai Pandit, um, when the Brahmana asked for him to uh, assist him in his pilgrimage. And what I was thinking was, I was connecting that back to the beginning where you said how. Um, God is a person, so He experiences emotions similar to how we have, how we uh, experience emotions, and it's amazing how, all, like everything is covered. And this is like another example. This uh, this kind of parental separation is is almost in every pastime, even in Krishna, even with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I found that very found that very interesting that the Lord displays all emotions everywhere. Yes, and uh, prophets. Uh, meticulous in pointing out the difference as well and especially he writes in one of his purports and I think that um, Maharaj has included it in a footnote in his book about uh, Ramchandra the summary of the Ramayan that although it appears to be mundane love the way a man when he loses his wife uh, that he becomes overwhelmed with feelings of separation. And so Prabhupada says in the material world, this is a material feeling, actually, because we're not our bodies, and it's an illusory type of attachment. However, 
in the case of Ramachandra, this is called Vipralamba, and it's the basis of the greatest feeling of bliss. And the Lord enjoys that, the separation from Sita after she's taken away, although it, it counterintuitively it seems like great suffering. And all uh, those who are uneducated in the spiritual science think, oh, this seems like the pastimes of the material world. But it's, it's actually the original rasa, uh, whereas the one in the material world is a reflective rasa. The result is different. In the spiritual world, it's bliss. In the material world, it's actual misery. And the two, to understand the spiritual science, as we spoke about in the beginning, the reflected versus the source of the reflected world are, uh, have to be understood. Thank you for those points. And you brought up Ram's leaving, so he did go away. And during that pastime of him killing the, uh, the demons uh, in assisting, doing service to Vishamrita, there was a announcement and an invitation of Vishramrita to come to uh, uh, the town of Janak Maharaj, which is called Janakpur? What is this town? Janak Maharaj. We're calling our experts there on the panel. We see six devotees on the Zoom. Okay, so there is the Swayamvar for Sita. Mithala, thank you very much. Good, good devotee. Mithala, the, the kingdom of and the hometown of Janak Maharaj. And there he's having a Swayamvar. So in the kingdom where there's a very qualified princess, uh, she chooses her own husband, and usually in the Kshatriya families, there's some sort of test. We know that Krishna, although he had to wrestle with bulls, uh, and he asked, I'd like to be exempted from this, please. <laughs> Not because he was afraid of the bulls, but it was just, why bother? Um, the king said, no, no, I already said that this is the, qual this is the, the test, so please, you know, Please do this. So the test to see who could take the hand of Sita was that there was a bow of Lord Shiva. And actually, Ramayana describes how early on in her life, when doing some cleaning, Sita had lifted up the bow with one hand and cleaned underneath it, as you do like when you're just... And Das and Janak Maharaj had noticed this. So in the Swayamvar, he wanted that, of course, anyone who would marry Sita would be stronger than she. He already knew she could lift up the bow. So it would have to be somebody who could not only lift it up, but also string the bow. So Vishamrita had arrived there. And even before the Swayamvar ceremony had happened, some of the associates of Sita had seen Ram and Lakshman and come back and reported to her that they had seen the most beautiful of all uh, boys they had ever laid their eyes on and that she had to see him 
And when Ramchandra and Sita had laid eyes upon each other, there was this um, moment of cognition before the Swayambar. Ramchandra felt um, ashamed of this because he felt that uh, he had cast his glance upon an unmarried woman. However, of course, it's his eternal consort. So there's a natural attraction. In the Swayamvar, many kings came from every, uh, various parts of the world to try to take the hand of Sita. And they would approach, and some couldn't pick up the bow. Some were able to pick it up, but not to string it. And it appeared as if it was futile. And Sita already had her, her mind now fixed on this young man, Ram, who had come into Matila. And so then Janak stood up and said, are there no more heroes left in the world? No more strong men who could actually lift this bow and string it? And Lakshman waxed angry. So, ah, we have someone right here who can do it. Ramchandra calmed him down. And Ramchandra took permission from Vishwamrita to go and string the bow. At that time, Sita was thinking, oh, we should have never made such a test. How would this young man, with such delicate and beautiful body, actually even be able to lift the bow, with speak of string it? And Janak then was also thinking the same thing, what's going to happen? May, my daughter may go without marrying anybody now, that I made such a, a strong test. So she lifted, made the bar so high. So, of course, our hero, Ram, approached approached the bow, easily picked it up, not just strung it, but kept bending it further and further until snap, and this thunderous sound of the breaking of the bow put all the heads of all the other participants down as they were, felt shameful, many of whom couldn't even budge the bow, and they saw this young prince come and break it. And of course, the heart of Sita was jubilant. And the marriage was set between Sita and Ram. And as it turned out, there were other sisters to accommodate Lakshman, Bharat, and Shatrugna. And then we hear that there, was, there were omens that in the capital, Ayodhya, there were signs that some ill fortune would come. Uh, perhaps the days of Dasharath were numbered in Ayodhya. And so Ram, Vishramrita, Lakshman all went back to Ayodhya. And of course, that brings us to the next chapter. And I'm just going to say a few uh, words about this next section. And that is that, of course, we know that the people of Ayodhya were celebrating that Ram would be coronated as the king. It was an expedited 
celebration because Dasarath was worried about the omens. And this was fine with everybody in Ayodhya, except for Mantara, the maidservant of Kaikei, who came and reminded her that actually didn't remind her, but just put a seed in her head that when Ramchandra takes the throne, your son is going to be pushed out. And not only that, you'll become the maidservant of Kaushalya. No longer will you have any power. At first she resisted, but Mantra, in her ill-intended ways, had put this a seed of doubt in her mind, in Kaikei's mind, and then reminded her that there are these boons that your husband gave you many years ago. Don't you hate that when that happens? Of course, throughout the Ramayana, we find out how one's word is one's bond. If you say it, you have to follow up on it. And this is agonizingly true in the story of the Ramayana because now Kaikei brings this to the attention of Dasharath, who's getting ready for the coronation, and she declares that now I want not only my son coronated instead of Ram, but Ram has to go to the forest. So we know how this affected Dasarath, who fainted and was disconsolate after understanding her resolve. And when Ramchandra came to greet his father and found him disconsolate and asked Kaikei, she informed him, he wants you to go to the forest you're being uh, sent away, and Bharat will be installed as the king. So Ram then went back to meet his mother and inform others. I'm going rather quickly through this part. There's many more details, but this is a summary. And when he meets his, his mother, Kaushalya, of course, they notice that he's not traveling on a palanquin. He doesn't have the typical trappings of the soon-to-be-coronated uh, emperor. He's walking barefoot, and he comes to meet his mother and informs her that I'm to go to the forest. At that time, there's a hue and cry in the palace of Kaushalya. Others come in and protest that uh, you don't have to do this, but Ram is resolute. This is actually mentioned in a verse in the Bhagavatam, Chakvasudusyaja Sarivshita Raja Lakshmin, Dharmishta Aryavachasayaragaranyam, Mayamragantayita, Yipstamandavan, Vande Mahapurushate Charanaravindam. This describes Ramchandra that Aryavachasa means he took the words of his father, the Arya, as absolute command. Our acharyas, Vaishnava acharyas, talking about the Ramayan, have frequently mentioned this. How powerful is the, the order of the spiritual master? Just as Ramchandra, Aryavachasa, he took the order of his father as absolute. 
And even many others told him, no, no, where is this God that you're following? He was trying to act like an atheist, even though he wrote poor from Nimamsha, all the special rules of it. You don't have to follow these rules. We can't even see God. Ramchandra said, cut it out. I know you're not an atheist. And all the people were, were so shocked by this news. But Ramchandra was completely resolute in following Aryavachasa, the order of his father. I have to follow this. They brought in the garments of one to be banished to the forest. It's actually a, a very um, pathetic scene. In other words, it evokes pathos. Thank you very much. In that this kind of dress, Asamanjasa was a previous member of the dynasty of Dasara who had been banished to the forest for good reason. Even as a child, he was a bad seed. He used to kill his friends when playing with them. And when he grew up, he became I mean, uh, such an abominable personality that he was actually truly banished for good reason to go to the forest. And in adding to this, taking away his stature, they took away his silk robes and they gave him this tree bark to wear. So this time, some argued that Ram should go to the forest, but he keeps his royal clothing. However, Kaikei said, no, he's being banished to the forest. He should wear this same bark. And Ram concurred, yes. My descendant, or my uh, previous, uh, one of the ancestors, Asamanjasa, who was defamed, he wore this tree bark when he went to the forest, so I will also wear it. And uh, similarly, Lakshman, and Sita, with her delicate body, also put on this very scratchy, uh, uncomfortable, and awkward kind of dress. And so at this scene, uh, all the hearts of the members, all of the members of the kingdom, seeing all of them lined up in tree bark, ready to leave the kingdom, were heartbroken. And as they left, Ayodhya, everyone followed them until uh, Ram devised a way to break away from all of them where they were sleeping. And there's a particular scene that uh, always touches me when, as they're leaving for the forest and leaving behind all the people of Ayodhya, they have to cross over the river and a boatman takes them across. And when they come to the other side, Sita, wanting to reward the boatman, takes off her ring and says, you please take this as payment. Now there's a tradition in Vedic culture that if you're of the same profession, uh, you don't pay the other person. You know, if it's a shoemaker, the shoemaker doesn't pay another shoemaker anything. They just exchange services. There's no payment necessary. We're takayo, 
We're together on this, same profession. So he said, I can't accept your payment, uh, Lord Ram, because we're in the same profession. And Ramchandra said, please explain. I'm an emperor, or I'm a, rather I'm a prince, uh, and you're a boatman. How is it that we're in the same profession? And the boatman says, actually, just as I've taken you across the river, I pray that when I leave this world, you will take me across the ocean of birth and death. You'll ply me across in the boat of your lotus feet. And it reminded me of a story from the Chaitanya Bhagavat, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was performing his Mahaprakash, and he was offering benedictions to all of his devotees. Some people didn't even know who all his devotees were, but he was calling them one by one, and Gangadas and his family came before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was offering benedictions. And in each one, he would tell, when each one would arrive, he would tell them something that only they would know. And Gangadas and his family had been accosted almost in the dark part of town when they were leaving from some yagya, and they were trying to make it home. It was getting late, and he was there with his wife and young daughter, and there was a danger in the air that they may be accosted and molested. This is one of the most horrible feelings one could possibly have if anyone's been in such a situation. Just the prospect of one's whole life being ruined in, in one second by some beastly type of person. So they're in that situation, hair standing on end out of fear, standing at the uh, side of the Ganga, and he was thinking, maybe I will drown myself and my family here rather than be accosted, which is a real prospect. And just out of nowhere, a boatman showed up and said, where are you going? And they said, please take us away from here. And the boatman took, the, took them across the river to safety. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then said, to Ganga and his family that, do you remember that incident? And he said, yes, I do, my Lord. And he said, that was me. I was the boatman who took you across in your darkest hour, the time of fear. So in the verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaktva Sadusyaja Sarevchita Raja Lakshman Dharmishta Arya Vachasa Yadagaranya Mayamrigam Dayitayitsitamambadavan it's mentioned that the, the lotus feet of the Lord, Mahaparush, are the object of worship, meditation, because they are the boat that can take us across the ocean of material existence. So, those who, like the boatmen, take time and trouble in this life to deliver others, like all of you are doing, you're organizing your life around the principle of extending the transcendental knowledge to people, giving them shelter so that they can have devotee association, giving prasad, going out to various neighborhoods, street corners, parking lots, and extending 
the boat of transcendental knowledge to people so they can go across. You're also in the same profession as Lord Ramachandra did this. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, non different from Lord Ram, such people are the most dear to me as they're extending this mercy, my mercy, to everybody else. So Ramchandra is so merciful. The pastimes Lord in an ocean. All one can do is do one's try one's best to uh, recount them, to recall, and by that process we become purified. So, and what is our schedule? So Nirkul is saying we're having lectures, talks, and kirtans all night long. Seven till seven thirty, and then there's RT. Okay, so let's chant a little bit. Uh, a one minute break, and we're gonna come back and have some uh, kirtan. Can you um, make some transcendental sound vibration for one minute? Thank you. Sita Ram Lakshman Hanuman Ki Jai. Shri Ram Navami Ki Jai. Go Premanandi Haribo. Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. Hey, Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. Nachari Armarman. 